Well, good morning, everybody. Great to see you. How are you doing this morning? All right. I hope uh, all of you online watching are having a great morning as well. We are continuing our second week in this Living New series, and I'm, uh, I'm really excited about it. We are spending 13 weeks as a church just saturating ourselves with a desire to grow spiritually. And we're looking at our spiritual growth through the lens of what we call here at Cuyahoga Valley Church the fruit of new life. These are six characteristics that we believe we will grow in, we will see ourselves through as we grow in our relationship with Jesus Christ. Uh, we'll start to see ourselves more as a beloved child of God, a self-feeder, a servant, an investor, a disciple, a missionary. They're, they're on the wall around you. And uh, everything we're talking about is supposed to help us grow in our expressions of those attributes as a follower of Christ. Thanks for all the great feedback. My, my first week was very encouraging in the daily studies. Uh, our life group was great. And I hope that all of you have uh, picked up a living new book. If you don't have one, uh, there's some in the foyer, uh, $5 suggested donations. We just want to make sure you have one. So if you don't have the, the money, just get it and square up later or do whatever. But we just want to make sure you have that five days a week in the study. Get in a life group. If, if you're not in a life group, it's not too late. Uh, just get a life group um, booklet out there and call up a life group leader. One of our staff can connect you. Also, your mobile app will show you different. Um, if you don't have the CVC mobile app, get that. And you can get a group through the mobile app as well. And then obviously be a church. So we've been getting a lot of great feedback this week. So thank you for that. Keep it coming. Keep telling us what you're learning. Keep telling us what's encouraging you. Keep telling us what insights you're getting as God is transforming you as you are looking to grow in your spiritual relationship with Christ. Now, last week we focused on assurance. We talked about how when you come to Christ, once you're in relationship with Christ, you are forever God's beloved child. And you can rest in that. You don't have to be scared that you're going to lose your salvation or that uh, you don't belong to the Lord, that you can have assurance. And for those who don't know the Lord, it was very helpful to, to self-assess and go, do I really have the Lord in my life? I mean, I've gone to church, but that doesn't mean I'm going to heaven. You know, you can park, you know, you can stand in the garage. That doesn't make you a car, you know? Going to church doesn't make you a Christian. And so you need a relationship with Jesus. And so it's good for self-assessment. A lot of people grew. Now, uh, today we're looking at something so critical to our spiritual growth so critical to our relationship with God, and it's the topic of prayer. And it's one of the most difficult uh, disciplines to be consistent in. I mean, every time I teach on prayer, talk about prayer, it's always, there's always joy for the ways I've grown in prayer. There's always conviction in how I can continue to grow in prayer because uh, it's just something that we're always growing in. Now, uh, when I first became a Christian, uh, praying was very new and very awkward. And it felt a lot like, uh, you know, a seventh grade boy just used the right words. Did God hear me? Did I have good reception? Did I pray hard enough? Um, like, you know, how come, you know, God has to answer my prayer? It's been at least two minutes. Uh, I asked for that and God has not done the poof. Here's the genie out of the lamp, you know, answer to your prayer. What's going on? But prayer is one of those things that as you grow in your relationship with the Lord, you'll grow in prayer. And let me just say, if you love the Lord, you'll love prayer. If you love the Lord, you'll love prayer because prayer is communication with God. It's talking and listening to God. And it's so critical uh, to having a spiritual vitality and to being in close relationship with the Lord. And so we want CVC to be a, a praying church, not just a church that has prayer, but a praying church. Uh, we as individuals don't want to be just people who pray sometimes. We want to be people of prayer. We want prayer to continue to be something that's a first response in our life not a last resort, like, well, nothing else worked. I guess I'll just pray. You know, that's not prayer. Prayer is going to God first, uh, not lingering and waiting to do it when there's nothing else 
you know, going on, and we've exhausted uh, our, our, you know, considerations. So, uh, but, but we struggle with prayer, and we need help with prayer, and God has given us some help. God has given us an example in prayer. I just, I want to just do something to demonstrate that for us right now. So um, I'm going to be picking a few people because I need help right now. Some of you are like, yeah, you need help. That's not new, but that's not what I'm talking about. So, uh, okay, so I'm going to pick up a few friends here. So uh, why don't you come on up here, blue shirt, come on up, help me. You're not going to have to say a thing. So that's good. Uh, I need a lady to come on up here because these guys are close. People are going, that's why I don't sit in front. Okay. And, and yeah, you're, you're, come on up here. You know, yes, don't, don't look behind you. Come on up. All right. Here's what we're going to do. Come on up here with me, guys. We're not going to have to say a word, but you are going to dance. <laughs> Just joking. Okay. So Here's what I'm going to do. Thank you guys for being up here. Uh, you guys are good spirits, good, 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 uh, good troopers here. So here's what we're going to do. I have written a word on this piece of paper, okay? It's a word that I've written that I know. I want you to guess the word, all right? So here's what I'm going to do. One at a time, you're going to go up to the paper, and you're going to write my word on that paper. And then uh, just fold it in half and keep it with you and come back here. And then we're going to show all our words at the same time. And we'll see who got it right. Okay, so, so you get to go first. So just go ahead and write the word right here. This is, this is the word. Just go ahead and write it down. Take your best shot. Some of you are like, what are the mathematical odds of him getting this right? Okay, so all right, so fold that in half. Okay, you get to go next. So go ahead and, and, go ahead and write your word on there. My word. Just guess. Take your, take your best guess. All right, awesome, okay. And uh, you can go, get to go last. Now, before you do, I just want to show you something here. Okay, let's, <laughs> okay, just, yeah, just see. Okay, all right, we'll see who, uh, we'll see who gets right, you know. <laughs> see how this goes. Okay, so, all right, you guys ready? Ready, here we go. We're going to show everybody our words on the count of three. One, two, three, okay. All right, what do we got? We've got prayer, God, you guys are so spiritual. <laughs> And bald. You got it right. Well, give her a hand. That was awesome. So, all right, guys, thanks a lot. Thanks a lot. Well, why did she get it right? She had help. She had an advantage. She got an insight that the other guys didn't have. You know what? When it comes to prayer, uh, we're all trying to write the word. We're all trying to, you know, grow in our prayer life. And God goes, you need help. And so he's shown us an example. He's given us an advantage in how to grow in our prayer life. And it's the world's most well-known prayer. Okay? Does anyone want to take a stab at what it's called? It's called the? The Lord's Prayer, right? Okay, well, I'm going to propose today that it's actually called the Disciples' Prayer, and you'll see why in a little bit. But anyways, uh, it's the Lord's Prayer. And I'm gonna, I want you guys to join me in your Bibles. Open up your Bibles to Luke chapter 11, all right? Open up to Luke chapter 11. Join me in your Bibles in Luke 11. And Luke 11 is one of two places that you see this prayer. And we're just going to look at uh, several verses. We're going to walk through it here in a little bit. And we're going to start with Luke 11, 1. And in order to grow in prayer, I, I, I see here in this Luke 11 passage uh, some insights that God's given us how we can grow in our prayer life. And the first thing we see is that we grow in prayer with practice, right? Growth in prayer comes with practice. Look at Luke 11.1. 1. It says this, Now, Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. Now, so here's what happens. Jesus is praying, and one of his disciples sees this and says, you know what? We want to learn how to pray, which right off the bat, I'm encouraged. Because a lot of us, if we're going to be honest, 
feel awkward about our prayer life. Uh, we, we either um, feel like we don't do it well enough, we're disinterested in prayer, we don't feel comfortable in prayer. I get a lot of encouragement because I'm going, if the disciples who hung out with Jesus every day didn't feel like they were getting the prayer thing the way they could have, man, how encouraging is it for us, right? So these guys are obviously identifying growth that they could do in their prayer life, so obviously we can too. And a common practice was the rabbis would teach their students how to pray, how to approach God. And so John the Baptist is an instructor, a rabbi, a teacher, would teach his you know, uh, students how to pray, his disciples how to pray. And clearly, even though Jesus prayed all the time and the disciples observed this prayer, they wanted a little bit more from Jesus. And so it's like, hey, can you teach us how to pray like John the Baptist taught his disciples how to pray? And so this is one of the reasons I call it the disciples' prayer because it was the disciples saying, teach us how to pray. Teach us how to pray, all right? When you look at John chapter 17, John chapter 17 is Jesus praying his guts out. Jesus is just pouring himself out in prayer in John chapter 17. To me personally, that's the Lord's prayer. This is a disciple's prayer. This is the disciple saying, Jesus, teach us how to pray, and he gives them a hint. He says, you know what? Let me show you a little bit about how you can pray better. And so uh, Jesus had a practice of praying. When you study the, the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and you study the life of Jesus, you see him constantly praying. We see him praying in public. We see him praying in private. When someone says, well, prayer is a private thing only, you don't really pray out loud, that person hasn't studied the Bible. Because yes, you do pray personally and privately, but you also pray publicly because Jesus did and his disciples did. So there's a public part of prayer, not just a private part of prayer. Uh, you see Jesus praying uh, by himself. You see Jesus praying with small groups. You see J Jesus praying with the masses. And so Jesus had a practice of prayer. There's a few verses that, that are special uh, moments captured in the prayer life of Jesus. Mark 135 says, And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. Matthew 14, 23, After he dismissed the crowds, he went up on a mountain by himself to pray. When even came, he was there alone. Luke 6, 12. In these days, he went out to the mountain to pray, and all night he continued in prayer to God. And so we see that Jesus demonstrated a practice in prayer. And so if we want to grow in prayer, we need to practice too. Now, what do we see here when Jesus is, is, is practicing prayer? He had special places that he would go. Like he prayed all the time. There were times he just you know, gave thanks for the meal they're about to have, or he, he prayed over people that needed to be healed. But there were times when he would go to special places to pray in his practice of prayer. And so I'm going, if that's, a, if that's a discipline that Christ had, then that's probably good for us too, right? And so he would have certain mountains and places and things like that. As you practice prayer, not just daily conversations, because prayer is something that's daily embedded, ongoing conversations with God throughout the day, talking to the Lord, checking in. But there are times of special prayer where we practice it even at a more intense level. And so do you have some places that you like to pray? Do you have a, a couch or a chair or a place in the park. I know I've got some special places I love to pray. I mean, again, ongoing conversation with the Lord throughout the day, but there's times of focused prayer that I'm drawn to a special place, just like Jesus was here. He was at a certain place. And so for me, pretty much anywhere outside next to trees and water, I'm ready to pray, man. And so put me in a metro park somewhere or whatever. Like I love being out in the nature and just praying. Um, 
There's, there's a couple different, you know, couches or chairs in my house that I gravitate toward too that I'll kneel by or sit on and pray. Uh, there are certain parking lots that, you know, maybe after working out, I drive across the street and I just kind of hang out next to the trees and park there and open my Bible and spend time in the Word, spend time in prayer. Or there's a couple other parking lots that I'll gravitate toward. I'm still waiting for the cops to show up because someone's going like, he's there again. <laughs> this guy shows up every now and then and he just sits there. He's got to be doing something bad, you know, and I'm praying, you know, and so I've already got my response plan. If, if a policeman ever shows up and says, yeah, we make getting calls. Hey, I'm praying. How can I pray for you? <laughs> Let's see how that one goes. But anyways, um, do you have places you like to pray? Because if you do, that will draw you into a deeper prayer life as you practice your prayer. Now, uh, another thing that helps us in learning to practice prayer is the understanding that really when, it, when we need to learn how to pray better, Prayer is something that's often caught more than taught, right? Like, like Jesus didn't just sit down and say, I'm going to you know, give you a 10-step syllabus on how you're going to grow in your prayer life. Like he just prayed with the disciples. Like why did this disciple say, teach us how to pray? He obviously saw something in the prayer life of Jesus that was compelling. And I just imagine, I mean, can you imagine like if you could just get in a time machine and just zoom into a place where you just hang out with Jesus while he was praying? What that must have sounded like. To hear the Son of God, God wrapped in flesh, the one who died on the cross for our sins, the one who rose from the grave, the one who spoke the universe into existence. Can you imagine being next to him as he was praying? What that must have been like. And so the disciples were exposed to the prayer life of Jesus. They're like, teach us how to do that. Teach us how to pray. And so uh, they learned by, the, by being with Jesus who prayed. If you want to learn to grow in prayer, you've got to hang out with people who pray. And so if you feel like inadequate in your prayer life, if you feel immature in your prayer life, you've got to find some people in some places where others are praying and go, you know what? Those people are really like more mature than me spiritually. They seem to be more comfortable in prayer. So I'm just going to hang out with them. And eventually my prayer life will grow because I'm with people who know how to pray a little differently and better and more maturely than I do. And so some of you are thinking, I, I don't know these people. Well, that's a good thing that you're in church because church is the people of God. It's a community. So here's just several places you can find yourself to help you grow in prayer. Get in a life group, all right? All our life groups are, are, are places of prayer. And so get with some people doing community because you're supposed to be praying in those groups and you'll learn how to pray. Uh, there are times we have new people, new believers in our life groups. And, you know, you can see, like, we we'll say, hey, we're going to pray. And their eyes get this big. It's like, whoa. And it's like, you can just pass. Only pray if you want to. And a lot of times those people won't pray, but they get to hear people who have a relationship with God talking to the Father. And so uh, eventually, inevitably, at some point, they step out and they pray. You're like, oh, what a glorious moment of, it's like that child's first step, you know, of when someone gets to be comfortable in their prayer life. And so get in a life group. Also, we have a prayer room down the hall. We have prayer activities throughout the week there. Every service on Sundays has people in there praying. Like right now, there are faithful men and women in that room praying for you. Right now, they're praying that God will move, you, move in your heart. He'll eliminate distractions, that today you'll grow in your understanding of prayer. And so, you know what? You want to be with some people who know how to pray? Show up a service early and go hang out and pray with them in that prayer room. And then come to church. Or you know what? Come to your service. And then afterwards, go to hang out in the prayer room for a little bit and pray with those folks and pray for the next service. That's one option. Also, throughout the week in that prayer room, we got Tuesday mornings at 6, Wednesday mornings at 6. we got Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursdays at noon. We've got Wednesday nights at 7. And uh, in that prayer room, just a reminder, there's a wall, and it's got a place that you can put prayer requests and, and places that you can move those prayer requests once you see God move and put them on answered prayers. Uh, we've kind of reset that so it's ready. 
It's ready for fresh prayer requests and fresh uh, answers to prayer. People through the week will pray over those requests. And so take your prayer cards or go fill one out, stick it on that wall, and people all week will look at those and be praying for those. Uh, That's another way that you can participate. Ladies, on October 1st, we have a prayer conference for you called Speak. You know what? Maybe as a woman, you're going, I just, I don't feel very equipped to pray or I forgot or I'm not active in my prayer life. Show up here. Learn how to practice more in prayer. Uh, the, 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 the new year, 2017, we're going to be in here for a week from January 9th to the 14th. It's Seek Week. We're going to be you know, approaching God in prayer. Lots of opportunities to grow in prayer. Take advantage of them. These are just some of the ways you can increase your practice of prayer and grow in prayer. And if Jesus made it a practice to pray, then so should we. And so if you love the Lord, you'll love prayer, and you'll learn to practice uh, prayer. So the second thing we see here in Luke is not only do we grow in prayer by uh, practice, we grow in prayer with a pattern. We grow in prayer with a pattern. Look at Luke 11, verses 2 through 4. So the disciple asked him, right? Teach us how to pray. Here's what Jesus said. When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. For we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation. Now, some of you are twitching right now. Because you're going, that's not the prayer. That's like, that's like an abbreviated form. It's not complete. Here's, here's, I want to be very careful right now with what we're about to talk about. Because we're talking about something that can help us in our prayer life. A pattern. Kind of a guide. A template. A model. That's what Jesus gave. Now, this is one of two places that Jesus did this. In Matthew chapter 6, you see Jesus give, he's asked to do that, and he gives another version of this prayer. But then we see him do it again here in Luke. But it's two different instances, it's two different accounts, but they're different. If Jesus wanted to give us a verbatim, like, you've got to pray this, then why didn't he do it verbatim again? This is different than he did in Matthew. But you see some themes that are the same. You see a pattern that still is there. And so uh, we have to be very careful when we start talking about patterns of prayer because if we're not careful, we'll make the pattern something that's religious in nature, a, a religious superstitious act. You know, Jesus said this in Matthew 6, 7. He says, when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases. Some Bible translations say, do not use meaningless repetition. Do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. See, this prayer was not intended by Jesus to be used as a mantra, something that when it's time to pray, we just pray it and we're done. This was a template. This was a model to convey a theme, some content, and an example for us. And so we got to be careful with this because if we're not, we're going to start to heap up empty phrases in our prayer life, and it's not organic, and it's not natural, and it's not flowing in and out of us. Like, think about this for a second. Communication with people. Now, I hope this is not true of you, okay? But we don't use scripts when we talk to people, right? Like, okay, husbands, I sure hope you don't have a script somewhere. It's like, okay, when I want to talk to my wife, this is what I'm going to say. I'm going to say this every time. And you memorize the script. Some of you are thinking, ah, oh, he's on to me. <laughs> we, we, don't, we, don't, we don't have a script where when it's time to communicate, we just say this thing and then we're done. No, you enter into the relationship and you, you speak and you answer according to what's going on in the conversation. Prayer is conversation with God. You enter into the relationship. It's like, wait, God, I'm mad at you. God, I'm sad. God, I'm brokenhearted. God, I have these requests. And we talk and we listen and we interact relationally with the Father. We don't come and go, okay, it's time to read my script. Okay, I'm done now. 
We don't do that with people. Why would we do that with God? And so we've got to be careful. Now, at the same time, Jesus did give us this model. So this is special and this is beautiful and we don't want to minimize that. But what do we see in this pattern, if you will? Well, we see several things. One, he starts off, Father. Let's just stop there. Isn't that so cool? That we can start by calling God Father, our Heavenly Father. He loves us. I mean, only the Father is the one who can rescue us from our sinfulness, right? I mean, he's the one who sent Jesus to die on the cross and be raised from the grave for our sins. He's our Father. We're his beloved children. So he, I love how he says, when you come, come and approach him relationally. Father, hallowed be your name. That means holy, right? Holy be your name. So we see a praising of God. Jesus starts by lifting up the name of God. He starts by praising the Lord and acknowledging him as holy. Second, um, he says, your kingdom come. You know what's so cool about this? It shows that this prayer is God-centered. It's not self-centered prayer. It's God-centered prayer. Father, you're holy. Hallowed be your name. You know what, God? We want your kingdom to come. We want, we want your will to be done. We want what's important on your heart to, to take place here. It's God-centered prayer. And so, again, it's, it's focused on the Father. And it's interesting. Uh, in page 27 in our Living New Book, uh, we see this phrase. It says, how often do we pray and do nothing but tell God everything we're going through and everything we need for him to do for us? Where does this prayer have its focus fully on us? Many prayers are ultimately focused on asking God to set us up as miserable little kings and queens of our own myopic kingdoms. Prayers like this bring an attitude of entitlement, no matter how subtle or unintentional. These kinds of prayers look at God almost as a heavenly vending machine, but that isn't the role God plays. When God invades our lives and we begin to live new, our self-centered orientation must change. Prayers become God-centered not self-centered. The reason some of us aren't growing our prayers is because we only know how to do one thing in our prayers. We just ask God for stuff and that's it. I don't know about you, but that doesn't work well with my human relationships either. If, if, if the only time people hear from me is they want something, after a while they feel used, right? I mean, you probably have those friends in your life, like, oh, they're calling, they want something, you know? Well, we don't want to do that to God, right? Oh, they're calling, they obviously want something, they don't talk to us any other time, Right? And so we don't want to turn our prayer life into that type of dynamic. Yet, God's a father who loves to give good gifts to his children and invites us to ask and invites us to make requests. So here's where the maturity comes in. We should ask things of God. We can ask things of God. We don't just ask things from God. That's the difference. And so we continue seeing this pattern that, you know, it's the focus on the Father. And then we see an example here. Jesus gives us a pattern of requesting. Give us this day our daily bread. This is a request of God for provision in our life. Forgive us our sins. This is asking God to forgive our sins and also acknowledging for us as believers that Jesus has forgiven us our sins for those of us who are in Christ. And so uh, we say, Lord, I'm confessing my sin. I admit my sins to you. What I've done, what I've thought is, is in defiance to you. I know it's dirty. I know it's unpleasing to you. So I admit it. I confess it. And then, of course, the, the connect here, that if we're going to come to the Father and ask for forgiveness of sins, knowing that we've received those sins, then he wants us to pass on that forgiveness to others. I mean, if we're only forgiven by God, let's say, as much as we forgive others, we'd be in trouble. And so this is kind of that vibe that Pastor Rick shared last week. It's like forgiven people forgive people, right? And some of you are going like, oh, that's so hard. Just keep asking the Father to help you, you know? And so we see the, the confession of sins and the desire to forgive others. He's asking, lead us not into temptation, right? He's requesting help. 
saying, ask for help to resist temptation, to resist those uh, things that lurk and try to pull you away from God. Lord, help me resist those things. Give me strength. And so you have all of these things. And, and this week in the book, you'll have a good chance to interact with what we call the Lord's Prayer, the Disciples' Prayer. There's going to be three of your daily studies this week just on this prayer. Just ringing it out to help you really understand it at a deeper level. And so really enjoy that this week. Now, one of the ways that this pattern to pray has been captured for us, because again, uh, the importance of a pattern is not to make it legalistic, right? But one of the ways we capture that is the acronym PRAY, all right? And so it helps me at times that if I want to go into prayer, sometimes this is a guide for me as I just kind of enter into a place where I'm going to say, you know what? I'm going to start by praising God. God, you're awesome. God, you're holy. You're my father. And it's the equivalent of hallowed be your name. Just praising God for who he is, praising God for what he's done. And then entering into a place of repentance. Because I'm now in the presence of a holy God through prayer, I should be very conscious of my shortcomings. I'm very grateful that Jesus has forgiven me those on, my, on the cross, but now I need to admit, so Lord, you know that thought I had? Lord, you know that thing I did? Lord, you know what I just spoke to, how I spoke to my friend or my spouse? And, and just confess. You know, just, we ask uh, the Lord to, to um, remove those things from our heart and mind, and we repent of those things. And then we go into a place of asking. The people on your heart that you want to pray for, pray for them. The needs you have in your life, lift them up and ask the things of the Father. It's not just asking, though. Look at your, you're surrounding the asking by other things. And then the why, probably one of the toughest parts, yield. God, I don't see what you see. God, I don't know what you know. God, my wants are probably not as pure and holy as your wants. So however this shapes out, I yield to your doing in my life. I yield to your answer. I yield to your will. God, you don't exist to make my will happen. I exist to make your will happen. So I yield. And this is a great pattern for us in our prayer life to help us grow. Now, the pattern is there to serve us. We don't serve the pattern, right? And, and that's where legalism, legalism comes in. Like if you're with a group of people praying, and you're talking, and, and, and so let's go to prayer, and so you're talking to God, and all of a sudden someone's like praising God, you're like there's the P, that's good, that's good, that's good. And then another person starts to ask things of the Lord, uh, we're asking things of God, that's great. Someone else is saying, Lord, we, we surrender our wills to yours, we yield to you, ah, amen. You're like, whoa, 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 time out. You didn't do the R. Your prayer didn't count. In fact, instead of pray, you just prayed pay, P-A-Y, so you expect God to pay you for your prayer. Like, you're just a heathen. Your prayer, you know, no, no, we don't do that. The, the pattern serves us to help us. We don't serve the pattern. But a pattern does help us grow. And if you grow in prayer, you're going to grow in your relationship with the Lord. You're going to grow in your love for the Lord. Because if you love the Lord, you'll love what? Prayer. You'll love prayer. And we'll grow in that through practice, and we'll grow in that through a pattern. Now, the third thing we see here in Luke is that growth in prayer comes with persistence. It comes with persistence. Look at Luke 11:5. Now, Jesus is about to tell the story, right? A parable to help bring home the truth of something in prayer. The context is prayer. Jesus is answering the question of teach us how to pray. This is all in the context of prayer. And he said to them, which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer him from within, do not bother me. The door is now shut. My children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, though, he will not get up and give him anything because he's his friend, yet because of his impudence, which means persistence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. And I tell you, 
and it will be given to you. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And the one who seeks, finds. And the one who knocks, it will be opened. And this is a, a great story that Jesus is telling. Uh, it's very customary, still is, in the Middle East, that if you have a guest come over, whether expected or unexpected, you feed them. Just feed them. And if you, you see that all over the world, hopefully we're that hospitable too, that if someone shows up, boom, there's, there's food. Food is just a part of hospitality. And so Jesus is telling the story that uh, this guy has an unexpected guest show up. I guess the guy didn't call or text in advance, you know, shows up, he's going to be hanging out. The friend doesn't have any food. So he gets up and he goes to his neighbor buddy. says, man, I need some food. I just had a guest show up and I don't have anything. Well, the problem is his buddy is in bed sleeping. And of course, he's talking about, oh, my kids are with me and all this stuff. It's like, well, what is that? Well, it was customary for a lot of those homes just to be one-bedroom homes. Some of you are like, that's us, you know? Everyone's in one room. And so the guy's all settled in. The door's closed. It's shut. It's locked. All the kids are probably all around him. They're getting all settled in. For those of you who are parents with young kids, you know the risk of waking a sleeping kid, right? Like if someone's making a noise in the house, you're like, yeah, stop making noise. Wake the kids, you know? Or like if they're asleep next to you, it's like trying to get off a landmine, you know? You don't want it to go off because you just want them to stay. So this guy's in bed. His kids are there. Now his friend's like, hey, man, I need some bread. And what this, the point of the story, because this is a disruption to this guy who's cozy, the point of the parable is not that God's all cozy in heaven He's all settled in, and he doesn't want to be bugged by us and all that kind of stuff. The point is of the guy who's asking. Jesus is focusing on the guy asking, and he's saying, this guy's persistent. He's over there, and he's banging on the door, and he's asking for bread, and he's not going to go away. I don't know if you've ever traveled or in your traveling, you've ever encountered a persistent street vendor, right, or a persistent beggar that they will follow you for miles, asking you to buy this stuff or to give them money. Like, this is the nature of what Jesus is conveying. He's saying, be persistent in your prayer life. Keep asking. And so because of this man and his shameless relentlessness of asking, that's what Jesus said we should be doing in our prayers. And just in case you don't get that, it's like Jesus is saying, just keep knocking on the door. Ask. Ask, keep knocking, keep knocking, keep asking, keep seeking, and eventually that's the attitude that God looks toward. And we have to persist in our prayer life. God invites us to do that. You know, it's interesting, in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16, we're told, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Jesus was encouraging his disciples with this story to be bold and to be persistent. Don't back off. Because if you ask, you receive. If you seek, you will find. And if you knock, the door is going to be open. Now, this is where some of you are thinking, time out. I've been asking for something for a long time. And it hasn't happened. I feel like I've done this persistent thing. And God hasn't shown up. Well, that's where we kind of go into the next section of this verse. Look, look at Luke 11, 11 through 13. In the context of prayer, in the context of persistence, we learn something about the father's heart, right? Look at verse 11. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, like the boy wants some food, right? Will instead of a fish, give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then who are evil 
know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? I love this. Because here we are, for any of us as parents, wanting to be parents, there's, there's this heart of a parent that says, I want the best for my kid. Now, we know there's exceptions to that in the brokenness of our world. But the general populace says, I want the best for my child. I would not do anything to hurt my child. And then Jesus is saying, if you as broken, sinful, flawed people are capable of giving good things to your children and not trying to harm them, how much more does a perfect heavenly father have that heart? In fact, he gave you the best gift, the Holy Spirit, to live in you. And so I just want to encourage those of you who've, who've been laying things before the Lord going, I've been seeking, I've been asking, I've been knocking, but it's not going the way I thought. Like, remember the Israelites asked God for 400 years for freedom before God sent them Moses. It's a long time to wait. And you see that pattern multiple times in Scripture. You know what Jesus often said during his three years of ministry? My hour has not come. My hour has not come. My hour has not come. Jesus, take, take, take your kingdom. My hour has not come. You know, we're going to die. Let's die now. My hour has not come. And then in one moment, Jesus says, my hour has come. You know what that teaches us? God's timetable is not our timetable, right? And God's ways are not our ways. And so when we've been seeking and asking and knocking and things don't go according to our ways, we need to be reminded of several things. One, the heart of the Father is good. There is nothing that you are going through right now that God's not aware of. Like, let that settle in. There's nothing you're going through right now that God's not aware of. He knows about the financial burden. He knows about the health stuff. He knows about the family and the broken heart. He knows about the loss in your life. He knows. And he loves you. But just because he's not showing up exactly the way you want doesn't mean that he's not active and he's not working. The requests you have, even though they're not bad, maybe God's timing is not the same as yours. Like if you think about answered prayer, maybe God hasn't answered your prayer yet. Maybe he's answered it, but you don't see it yet. You just don't see it because it's not what you're looking for. You painted a box and go, this is what the answer prayer looks like. And God's going, away with your silly box. Here's what I've done. Maybe it's just something. Have you ever thought about maybe the request you've laid before God could be a snake or a scorpion using this language? That what you're asking for actually could bite you or sting you. But you don't know that. But the Father does. Maybe there's something that you need to learn in your life through the suffering that you're going through. And God's going, I'm not going to answer that right now the way you want because there's something in your life that I'm working out. There's a lesson I'm wanting you to learn. So trust me. And a lot of us who are parents know that there's times we just look at our kids and they look at us with like a look of betrayal. Like, how come you don't give me what I'm asking for? How come you just told me no? That's going to be fun for me. And, and, and a child looks at a parent with, with absolute a lack of understanding of why a parent is saying no or not right now. And the parent in their wisdom is going, you don't understand why I'm saying no. You don't understand why I'm saying not right now, but there's a reason. Again, if we have that kind of wisdom and reasoning as flawed human parents, how much more the Heavenly Father who has the whole picture. Look, we, we pray knowing this part of the picture. And the Lord answers the prayer because he sees it all. So we have to come back to having a heart of trust, guys. We've got to trust the Father. We have to trust that he's going to answer for what's best. And so we just continue to pray persistently until we see 
however God's answered that, whether he said no, maybe, yes, not now, or not like you thought. And so we have to be persistent. So we grow in prayer through practice. We grow in prayer through a pattern to help us. God gave us a pattern. What he did is say, hey, look, I let you see something that will help you move the ball in your prayer life. And we grow in prayer through persistence. Now, when I was looking through this, the realization that if you love the Lord, you love prayer was very strong. The fact that Jesus showed an example was very strong. But as, I, as I'm thinking about this, uh, like I mentioned earlier, I felt affirmed and joyful about growth in my life in prayer, but I also felt convicted. And when I look at those three, let's bring those three back up for a second. When I look at these three ways that we can grow in prayer, the one for me that I need to probably focus on to, to mature more and grow more in my prayer life is the persistence piece. It's the persistence piece. Because like for me, and some of you guys out here, like sometimes I'll suffer from a little bit of like that spiritual ADD, right? Lord, I lay this before you. Ooh, something shiny, you know? <laughs> you kind of forget. You kind of forget to keep praying for that thing, you know? Or you get fatigued. Lord, I've asked and asked and asked and I don't see movement. And then all of a sudden we get, you know, taken off track or distracted or discouraged. I need, I need to be more persistent to grow in my prayer life. How about you? Which one of those three do you need to maybe focus on during a season? Is it practice? Is it, is it a pattern to help you go deeper? Is it, a, is, it, is it that persistence? Let me give you one example in my life. So about a month ago, some of you were here, some of you weren't. Um, I shared, we were, we were in the book of Acts, and we looked at the Apostle Paul. And we looked at how Apostle Paul was sharing the gospel with very intimidating people, kings and governors and all these things. And the challenge I put out there for all of us was, Who's the most intimidating person for you to share Jesus with? Who's the person that intimidates you most when it comes to sharing the good news of Jesus? And I shared that it's my father, that my father's the most intimidating person with me. And I said, let's go share what we can about Jesus with those who are most intimidating. I'm going to share with my dad. I told you guys, I'm going to call my dad this week. Some of you are like, hey, whatever happened with that? You know? You know what? My intent was to call him on Wednesday. Wednesday came, I was prepared to call him, but the Lord told my spirit no. The Lord just told, told me no in my spirit. I, I assessed that. Is this fear? Is this reluctance? No, it's just like the Lord said, not now. And so I was going to, I said, I'll do it Friday. Friday came. Today's not the day. Today's not the day. I just, I felt like there was a, there was a check on my spirit. So Saturday morning, I called him. It felt right. Knew it right. It was the perfect time. Isn't it cool how God just maneuvers you? I, I, I don't know what was going on Wednesday and Friday, but Saturday, I caught him in a beautiful moment. He wasn't distracted. He wasn't um, unavailable. And, and, and we had one of the longest talks I can remember on the phone. And God had given me a plan. Okay, here's the plan. Because you know me, I kind of plan these things a little bit. And it was intimidating. It's good to have a plan. Uh, man makes his plans, but the Lord determines his step. Amen? And so, plan number one, uh, step number one, just catch up. What's going on? Just catch up. Step number two, I just want to thank him. God gave me this thought because it wasn't my own. Just, just thank him. Thank him for the good things he did in your life. Thank him for the provision. Thank him for the good memories. Thank, and thank him specifically for letting you get on a bus to go to a church when you were a teenager because you met Jesus and he changed your life. And, and, and then step four, hey, while we're on the topic of church, or step three, while we're on the topic of church, um, ask more about his church background because I don't really know. And as we're talking about church, hey, well, tell me a little bit more about what you believe. Step four, tell me, tell me what you believe. I don't know what you believe. What do you believe about God? You know, the Bible, Jesus, all that stuff. And step five, they said, Dad, can I share with you a little bit more specifically about what I believe and what I've learned? That was the game plan, all right? So step number one, caught up, everything's great. Step number two, thanked him. I think that caught him off guard. Just caught him off guard. 
And then step three, let's talk about church. I was waiting for like, what? You know, and now he, he, he shared. He shared his background of his church experience. You know, my dad's very um, distant and, and, and hostile to God. That, that's what I've experienced in the past. I didn't have any of that. He just shared very negative views of his church experience. Shocker that he doesn't have a relationship with God, right? And then he got squirrely and nervous and changed the subject. It would have been weird to try to come back around, right? And so I, I realized the Lord was telling me, this is good for now. This is good for now. And so we had a great conversation. I said, okay, step four and five must be for later. Okay, delayed doesn't mean denied. All right? And then I wrapped up the phone call, and uh, my birthday was in two days. And so he said, I'll call you on your birthday. Of course, in my flesh, I'm like, you know, we'll see if that happens, you know. <laughs> two days later, my phone rang. It was my dad. We talked for like another half hour. Three times in, in, or two times in, in one week, I had the longest phone conversations ever with my dad. And it was pleasant and it was good. And it moved the ball in the relationship. And I think what God was teaching me is, I want you to get closer to him before you share this stuff. And so it was answers to prayer. But as I think about praying for my dad and continuing to pray for my dad, I'm going, okay, in my practice of prayer, I've got to make sure that part of my practice includes my dad. In my pattern of prayer, in the A for ask, I need to make sure I'm asking for, for God to, to save the soul of my father. And then with persistence, I need to be going, God, save my dad. God, save my dad. I'm going to keep praying for my dad and not stop. And that's what that means for me. I don't know what it means for you, but I know this. We all have room to grow in our prayer life. Amen? So I hope that today was a launching pad for the entire week as you get into your book as you get in your life groups, to grow in prayer together. Speaking of prayer, let's pray. God, thank you that you are our Father and that we can come to you as Father. Thank you that you're not distant and aloof. Thank you that you're not uh, uninterested in us. God, over and over and over again in your word, we see an invitation into conversation, an invitation into relationship, an invitation into salvation that we can spend forever with you through belief of Jesus' death on the cross and his resurrection from the grave. God, we want to be in fellowship and communion with you, so help us to do that, Lord. We confess, or we confess that some of us have turned prayer into a slot machine, a vending machine. We just put our prayer request in and wait for what we want, and God, fix that in us. Or for some of us, um, raise the volume of our praise of who you are and what you've done. God, for some of us, raise the volume of our repentance and our confession in our life. Lord, for some of us, God, we don't know how to ask with precision. We don't, we don't know how to ask with clarity, Lord. Help, help us tune that in, Lord God, that we can come to you and ask with boldness, but not just ask. And Lord, help us to yield. God, help us to trust you when we don't see things going the way we desire. Help us to yield to your will over ours. You're an awesome God. We love you, Lord. God, I thank you for these friends that are here. I thank you for the gifts we're about to receive to help more people learn and grow about you. I pray, God, that you would bless our growth this week, Lord. For those of us in that personal study, meet us there, Lord. For those of us in life groups, meet us there, Lord, so that we may grow closer to you. We ask this in Jesus' name. We all sit together.